The most exciting, the far, the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World, will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. We call it Epcot, spelled E-P-C-O-T. Welcome to this very special place, Epcot Center. Walt Disney's greatest dream is now a reality. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us at Epcot Center are glad to have you as our guests today. Discover Epcot. It's unlike any theme park on Earth. In this wondrous place, the fun and imagination of Disney come together with the innovations of the real world. Dreamfinder and his small friend Figment are the hosts as you ride through a swirling maze of colors, shapes, sounds, and even smells. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 605, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, blogs, special events, books, and more, whether it's your first time visiting or you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts and find everything else at the all-new www.radio.com So as we celebrated Walt Disney World's 49th birthday on October 1st, I wanted to look back at not just one of the resort's most popular attractions, but characters as well. The Dreamfinder and Good Right Arm Figment were created for the new Journey into Imagination attraction in Epcot in 1983 and it really ushered in a sense of wonder and fun the likes of which that park had never seen before helping to create that spark of imagination was Ron Schneider, the original Dreamfinder. Ron joined me live in Magic Kingdom on October 1st for the anniversary and shares stories that paint a colorful picture tracing the origins of the attraction and character, as well as his years in the parks to working with Tony Baxter and the day that Michael Jackson asked to meet Dreamfinder and so much more. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win an all-new Disney Prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder.
Today marks not just the grand opening of Magic Kingdom, but obviously Epcot Center years later in 1982. And in a perfect world, I would have loved to have dashed from here to Epcot, but we're currently in a one park, one day uh, situation. But that's okay, because there's still so much to do here. And cover your mouth and nose, right? physical distancing, got it. Uh, if you're wondering, by the way, why I am sitting here without a mask on, I am in the Tomorrowland Terrace, formerly the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station. Oh, spicy noodles, how I miss you so. But this is one of the, I believe there's four relaxation stations in the park where you actually can, this is a closed off area, you can actually sit here, take off your mask, relax, eat, drink, and... Uh, Recharge yourself, your internal as well as your phone batteries as well. So it is nice to have the mask off for just a little while. So while we are physically distanced, we are socially closer than ever. And I wanted to do something special for you today and special for this birthday because it is a, a very unique year. And I didn't not I not only wanted to bring you our walking tour and trivia this morning of Magic Kingdom as if we were walking here together because I, I get that you can't get here maybe as quickly um, or as easily as you would like to. But I said, you know, there is so much that happened today and there's so much that today represents. And I thought about the opening of the parks. I thought about the opening of Epcot Center, uh, which too at this time is undergoing its own major transformation. The more things change, the more they really stay the same. And I thought back to early Epcot Center, not necessarily opening day in 1982, but opening day in 1983, when the game really changed, really, I think, for their trajectory of the park, too, because on that day, the Imagination Pavilion opens. And we were introduced to not one, but two, count them, two, new characters, not based on any intellectual property or movie, but that were created specifically for the park and instantly became fan favorites as well as personal favorites of mine. And because I raised my children correctly, <laughs> while I did, I have taken them on this current version of the attraction, my son still to this day remembers watching DVDs of the original Journey into Imagination, which remains his favorite. And today, I have brought you someone who knows that attraction better than everyone because he, he not only wrote it and experienced it, but he lived it because he was, and for me, will always remain the dream finder. I want to introduce you or reintroduce you to my friend, Ron Schneider, the original dream finder from Journey to Imagination. So now I gotta put my glasses on because I'll never be able to read the comments <laughs> otherwise. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't blame you, wait a minute. I know, it's okay, very... Wait, I got it, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I put got your it. goggles on too. That's this is me. what happens when you get oh. to be our age. Um, it feels so nice to be in the rela relaxation area without pants. <laughs> and I think he said no masks, but I'm with you. Like I, I oh. also removed my pants as well. So listen, we've been... We've been we've known each other a long time. Um, I was trying to. You were on the show back like in early double digits. I think somebody said show sixteen or so, and then we actually celebrated. I think it was Epcot's twenty fifth together. Um, I distinctly remember as we take a trip down memory lane, being in front of said Imagination Pavilion, 
uh, you were on your little rocket scooter, and my son and daughter were there, and my son was wide-eyed, like he could not believe this was the dream finder. And even when I told him the other day that I was coming to see you, his eyes widened again because of what you and that character represented for him, and I think literally millions of kids. It was a, that was a thrill. They had this little mob gathering. Security had to come over and ask us, <laughs> they're blocking the entrance. And then, uh, and then to get to take that whole group of people on the ride, that was the most wonderful thrill. And uh, you got to go through there with all the kids and, uh, and watch their little faces of disappointment. <laughs> uh, and, and I saw the ride. Um, and we got, to, we got to the end of the ride, and I just spontaneously, was just, there was this lull before the big explosion happens at the end. I say, oh, kids, what did we learn today? And the kids, all of them in unison, went, nothing. <laughs> it's just, I just it. Well, which is pretty, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty appropriate. It's, it's accurate, if nothing yeah. else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it was wonderful to meet everybody, and uh, yeah. I remember that day vividly myself. Yeah, you and I can't believe how much time has gone by, but you still look as the same exact exactly as you did the same. Then. Yeah, it's amazing. No, notice I don't stand up, but still. <laughs> and by the way, if you are watching live again, thank you for being here. Please do me a favor, tag and invite a friend to uh, come and watch. Uh, Ron's going to be generous and take some of your questions as well as we learn a little bit more. Um, I, I think for people who don't know. I'm sure they'd be fascinated to find out how does little Ronnie Schneider, um, how do you get to this role of Dreamfinder? Um, how does that happen? Like, were you with the company already? Was it a newspaper advertisement? Did you just enter the wrong door and like, just go, put on the costume? It's a combination of all those things. <laughs> it's interesting that you start with little Ronnie Schneider because that's that's really... When it started, I was at Disneyland the day that the park opened in 1955. My father did some of the air conditioning work, and uh, so I was there actually the second day. The first day was open to the public, July 18th, and grew up going to the park and always was interested in, in magic and puppetry. Uh, and in 1970, I saw the show at Disneyland, the Golden Horseshoe Review, starring Wally Bogue, and uh, decided that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be an actor in the theme parks. I love the idea of doing a show. I do a two-person act, and the other person doesn't know their lines because they're the audience. And uh, my job is to involve them in the things and, and uh, get them to play along with me. Uh, so uh, from 1970 to 1980, I worked at Universal Studios. I was a tour guide. I worked at Magic Mountain as a ride operator and a street performer. I worked at Wild Animals. And in 1980, uh, I got my dream job doing the Golden Horseshoe Review. Um, I was there for a couple of years when I saw a picture of these two new characters that were going to be at, um, at Epcot Center. There's one of them right there. Um, and I heard they were going to be the only characters at Epcot. And right, because Epcot was a very different place. And it, it was very much, there was no Mickey, there was no, no Fab Five, there was nothing. It was not supposed to be a fantasy park, it was supposed to be an, an inspiration park. And uh, we were the representatives of the process of imagination, of creativity. So I went to my boss, Sonny Anderson, and I said, Sonny, I've, if you're going to have this guy walking around, I want to do it. And uh, they just said, yeah, okay, sure. At that time, they knew I could, I could perform, and I was uh, relatively wholesome. And they uh, brought me out of Florida and turned me loose. Nobody had ever done the character before. 
So I got to write my own book. Right, so I was going to say, you really sort of, I mean, because it was the character in the attraction, and Chuck McCann did the voice in the attraction, but nobody had ever, we there, there was no frame of reference, so you really developed this character's personality beyond the confines of, of you know, the attraction itself. It was it was up to me to do something with him. They didn't tell you what to do. I knew that since I so loved this particular form of performance, I didn't want to just pose for pictures and sign autographs. Um, my experience is parents are always, that guy's kid has his picture taken with a monkey. I want my kid's picture taken with a monkey. And uh, if I was going to spend years doing this, I, the character was so wonderful. The, the, the story of the ride was so wonderful that I had to do something that was worthy of Epcot and of the ride and of, of the characters that Tony Baxter had created. So um, I, uh, I went out on set with the dragon and started playing with the kids in a nice way. And uh, I started treating them like sparks of inspiration. Like I'd never seen a child before in my life. And uh, I also let, I let Figment take a back seat. He, he didn't need to be entertaining. He was already a dragon. So I would play with people and I, believe it or not, they would play back. Um, the trick I found was that there's only three or four ways a grown-up can react to a wizard holding a dragon. Once you learned what those three or four ways were, and you developed for each one three or four ways of responding, you got a show. So I could entertain the people who were waiting to have their picture taken. I could involve people in the, in the theme of creativity, and this way carry forth the message of what was in the ride. And, uh, and kept myself entertained at the same time. Well, I think that was such an interesting choice, right? And the, first of all, the fact that they gave you that choice, you know, as opposed to Figment coming, a uh, Dreamfinder coming out, sort of knowing everything there is to know and trying to teach people, that sense of childlike wonder and amazement gave, it empowered the kids to be teachers as well. And sort of, I think, brought Dreamfinder a little bit down, farther down to their level. Oh, yeah. As opposed to somebody talking at them, they were somebody who was talking with them. I learned the, the best way to get somebody to play with me was not to come on strong. You know, not to go, hey, how you doing? I'm drinking. No. I would mirror the child, what, the way they were breathing, the way they were looking at me, and the way that they would cover their nose and their mouth and, and wear its mask at all times. Don't ever forget this. It's important. Wash your hands, Luke. Luke, wash your... We've been sitting here for 10 minutes. I know. You haven't washed your hands once. My parents have been telling me that for years, but now that the voice of God is telling me, I'm going to uh, remember... Meanwhile... <laughs> so, uh, when you, so when you first got the role, did you, um, did you talk to Tony at all? Was there any sort of direction from, you know, the person who, you know, uh, as the story goes, really helped sort of bring this figment of imagination to life in this other character, Dreamfinder? When I heard, heard about the, the, the role, and I was interest, first interested, I called a friend of mine, Ken Lisi. He ran the sound department at Wet Enterprises, now Imagineering. And I said, um, have you got a recording of the character's voice from the ride? Because I'd like to hear that, see if I could match it, and then help me get the role. He said, yeah, come down to Imagineering tomorrow, and we'll, I'll, I'll give you a tape. So I go down to Imagineering. He brings out a cassette. says, Imagineering turntable on it. And then he says, come with me. And he takes me in and introduces me to Tony Baxter and Barry Braverman, who were the two people behind the, the, the ride. And they take me back and they showed me 
the dream catching machine with dream finder and figment the whole thing was set up on sawhorses and it had just been programmed and they push a button and i saw the whole opening scene of the ride first person to see it and um then they took me back in an office and sat me down and told me everything about where the character came from what he represented who inspired him he was based on the guy who used to host the wonderful world of disney on sunday nights and uh they told me about the search for figment's voice and um everything they'd been through with the character so i had all that going for me then i went to sunny and said can i do the character they said yep and that's how i got the job and yes so i had it i had it straight from the horse's mouth and uh did five years with the character and just had a wonderful wonderful time and as i'm watching comments go by people are saying that they remember meeting Dreamfinder. They remember, you know, watching their kids meeting, um, you know, the, the Dreamfinder. Um, so he was there for five years. Uh, so he was at the, as soon as the attraction opened in, in October 83? Uh, no. The, uh, I was there from October 1st till um, summer of 87. The ride opened March 5th of 1983. Uh, but we were there from the beginning. Um, I was the only one there for like the first six, seven weeks. And then uh, they hired a fellow named Steve Taylor, who wound up lasting the full 15 years. Okay. And he has the scars to prove it, <laughs> really. Because well, um, at one point, Dreamfinder wasn't there, and they had this very large um, iteration of figments. That was after the, after the ride change. Yeah. Um, when everyone complained there was no figment, uh, they brought out Figzilla, the eight-foot-tall the eight foot tall version of figment. Which I never got. Uh, you know, I was used to seeing this tiny little dragon all of a sudden. I think Figzilla is a great way to, a great way to pull it, put it. That's what, that's what he was called. And, um, yeah, but he, that was long after Dreamfinder was gone. Uh, so, but there was Dreamfinder was there from 1982 to... Um, 1998. And yeah. I remember when it happened, and I think we talked about this. Um, again, I said, you know, Ron was a guest on the show, I think episode 16, somewhere around there, was they made a, a, a very conscious decision to sort of cut Dreamfinder. Like, I think to use your words, and I wish I would have gone back and listened, like, I think that they told you, like, Dreamfinder is, is dead, like, which is what they don't ever say, you know, nothing is ever dead at Disney. Dreamfinder was, you know, he was history like the Aztecs. That conversation was I, I heard was to, was was held. Um, I heard there was an executive who, uh, in, a, in a meeting, said, um, "I hate that dragon." <laughs> um, basically, uh, we had gone through a couple of mad, different management teams. Um, Eisner was the one who, you know, and I think it was '84, said. Uh, we need to have Mickey at Epcot, mm. so the other characters came in. Put him in a spacesuit and get him out there. Yeah, um, and I can see, you know, they, his apparently uh, the way I heard it, Mr. Eisner's son wanted a Mickey Mouse hat, and they didn't sell those at Epcot. <laughs> and uh, when they told Mike, when I said that, he said, "You do now." And uh, so there you go. It. Um, I, I don't think the 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 any animosity towards Dreamfinder was not the reason. He was taken out of the ride. The uh, ride was changed 
because the co contract with Kodak was up and Kodak wasn't doing very well because of the advent of digital photography, which interestingly enough, the first time Kodak had anything to do with digital photography was at the picture taking at the end of her journey into imagination. Oh. <laughs> right. When they put in the computers taking your pictures, the first time they did that and arrived. Yeah. And um, Kodak was dead set against it. That's why you couldn't buy the picture when you got off the ride. Um, and it was, a, it was a major thing. They had like, uh, they would take your picture just before the end of the ride and then it would be held in um, one of eight giant cabinets uh, backstage and it would cycle through, put your picture up, then that would be erased and another one would be taken. Um, and, but these things were massive uh, that, to contain the pictures. Um, so, uh, but Kodak wasn't a big fan at the time, and sure enough, that's what. Uh, and look at Kodak today. So yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, if you don't innovate, you die. Obviously, um, but it's interesting because there was this time where Dreamfinder was gone, and and Figment was he was still in the attraction, but certainly not in the same way. I mean, he it, wasn't it, in the attraction at all. He was just the, just the meet and greet. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he was in the merchandise. Let us not forget the merchandise that kept the dragon alive. But in recent years, there's been this, uh, and I still remember the first time, and I think it was during one of the festivals, that I started to see little bits of figment being present in a topiary and merchandising. And now, all of a sudden, years later, figment is once again sort of the unofficial mascot, I think, of Epcot Center. And he is... Thankfully so, he's everywhere. Um, and there's this renewed interest and fascination in the character, not just in adults that grew up with him, but young kids. He's in Dreamfinder, is back in comic book form. Um, what do you think about sort of this, um, this, this figment renaissance? <laughs> this this <laughs> offhand renaissance. Um, well, Characters have always been fondly remembered, and primarily, I believe, because of the wonderful job Tony Baxter did in creating the ride and the story, the relationship between the two characters, which has changed uh, in the, the ride now. Uh, the, the ride as we have it now, Figment is treated like a pest, but uh, he was so loved, and um, you came to identify with him. You, you were there when he was born in the original ride, and so uh, it stuck with people. You know, I think I I find that most people now have no memory of Dreamfinder, but they sure love Figment because uh, he's, he's, he's more of a Warner Brothers character than a Disney character. He doesn't, he's not all circles. Mm -hmm. He's very angular. And he's mischievous. And uh, so he's stuck with people. And um, when uh, the Marvel people, Jim Sub, especially, is the fellow who wrote the, the comic mm -hmm. book, uh, came and said, let's do something with this character. And Jim Zub went to the Imagineers and went to Tony Baxter and captured what the uh, character really was originally. And uh, so the comic books are a wonderful continuation of that original uh, iteration. Um, so now we've got, um, who's the new uh, creative head of Imagineering? From, uh, Brad Bird. Mm -hmm. Brad Bird, when they were talking to him about putting uh, the uh, Inside Out characters in Imagination, and Brad Bird said to the company, why wouldn't she use Figment? <laughs> so now uh, he's back. We're back in the mix. 
God alone knows if it's ever going to show up again. Um, we bring in Marvel, we bring in Muppets, we bring in Lucasfilm, and so I keep seeing, picturing the uh, the idea of redoing Imagination being shoved down in the hierarchy. But the last I heard, sometime in 2025, you might see some action over at that pavilion. Well, you know, if you look at the attraction now, um, which admittedly is probably not the biggest draw in the park, no. Um, no. and the post-show area, which at one time, and, and I mean, first, first of all, upstairs, um, was one of my favorite, I think probably was my favorite part of Epcot. Mm. The rainbow tunnel and the pin table and uh, God, what was the, the, where you could paint with the Dream magic palette? Yeah, where you could paint with Dream, I mean, again, the technology at the time. But now what's left on the, the post-show area is really a shell. I mean, there's not much there, which to me means just wait, something else is coming. We haven't put anything in here because we're working on something that's bigger and better than you know, just putting something in here temporarily. And it might just be wishful thinking on my part because I'm a hopeless romantic. somewhere between those two it's, uh, realities, yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's too big and shiny a building not to put something wonderful in there. And the, the, idea of the, 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 the idea of the story is, uh, I mean, imagination is central to everything Disney does. But especially if whatever's left of, of the original Epcot Center was all about imagination. And there's still a lot of that there. Anything they build is going to become from imagination. And it's such a perfect attraction for kids. But uh, the parents loved it too. So yeah. People are saying they had a tough time getting their kids to leave. They still are talking about how they have the original figment plushes and figment banks and the, the figment merchandise that they had from when they were uh, a kid. And as someone who loved, when Epcot opened, I was fascinated by the technology. I was fascinated right by that sense of not edutainment, but inspiration that I got from it. Um, and I and I always felt as a kid that Figment, uh, the, the Imagination Attraction was the one that resonated with me the most because it was this wonderful combination of technology and whimsy and inspiration and all those things that, again, we hadn't seen anywhere else certainly in that park and even here in Magic Kingdom it was such a unique it's still I mean not the same but it, it even at in its original iteration was such a unique attraction it was it, the, the way that it, it reached out to you in the way that you know there, there's so much about that ride that was unique the turntable scene where they stopped it seemed that they stopped the ride and you flew alongside Dreamfinder and the dream catching machine and he could talk to you this is one of the things that uh, Tony Baxter went into when we had that first meeting. He said we needed to stop the ride. We needed to talk about imagination. We couldn't do that while we were moving. You know, you can't, in most of these rides, you can't tell the story, a linear story. And you had to in this ride. And so they came up with the idea. It was based on the way film moved through a projector. You know, the way a film moves with, with sprockets and then it meets a gear and it travels around the gear. And they were looking at that and they said, that's the way we'll stop the ride. We won't stop the ride. We'll make it look like we stopped the ride. And uh, the result is this wonderful seven-minute scene, more like actually four minutes, where they could talk to you and put across the idea and then expand upon it through the rest of the attraction. And what people don't realize in the current version is how much of the original attraction track was cut. Mm. Right, It's 40, 50% of the original attraction was cut down 
for the second iteration, which is obviously the tra same track layout we have now. Yeah, if you go on, if you go online and do a search for uh, imagination ride layout, you'll see a breakaway of the building, yeah. and it shows what the original track was like and what it looks like, uh, what they're using of it now. Yeah. You uh, and I, I saw people saying that they wish that they could bring back that because I think that the original would stand the test of time, mm -hmm. um, not just because of again each room had such a unique message and feel and story that I told. I still remember the, the avalanche room and mm -hmm. the... Um, it was the, the realm the, of literature. There was the realm of art. Performing arts. So, so what about science? Science, science, <laughs> science and technology. And then there was the, uh, the image section, which was about photography and, uh, and cameras and like that. So you had those, those five realms. And then the sparks that were collected in the first scene were used in those realms. And uh, I found a lot of people, a lot of people, have no idea that there was that storyline. Right. They just thought, well, this is really trippy. But there was this, this, this storyline that if you wrote it enough, you could see and you could follow, and there was this message underlying the whole thing. And I think part of what made the attraction so beloved was not just, it was this wonderful blend of the characters and the technology and the story and the visuals and certainly credit has to be given to the Sherman Brothers for a song that mm -hmm. you know still remains incredibly popular mm -hmm. yeah the uh, I mean everything everything came together with that ride like nobody's business and it was it was Harry putting it together um, one of the things about uh, the reason I know the ride so well is it wasn't open for those first five months that Epcot was open I walked the ride every single day when I between sets of doing the, working out there with a the dragon, I would go in and I would walk the track, because I was I grew up at Disneyland. Just give me an opportunity to walk a track for God's sakes, and um, so I got to watch the whole thing being put together, uh, and it was it was just a masterpiece for, for Tony Baxter and uh, everyone at Web. Well, I think that's what made the Dreamfinder character enduring too was you come from a place of obviously with with such a long history of not just working in the theme park industry, but just having such a, a love and personal affinity for it yeah. as well. It, it really shines through in the character. Uh, but I have to imagine meeting countless thousands of kids and families over the years, there probably is a funny story or two that you remember from some of Dreamfinder's interactions with these kids. No, there isn't. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Nothing ever happened. Nothing. <laughs> It's a show about nothing, like this. It's a show, it's like Seinfeld. Kids would, <laughs> kids, would, kids would sometimes ask if they could pull my beard. And I thought to myself, well, if you say no, that's admitting that it's a fake beard. So I said, yes. Yeah, go ahead. And the kid's head would come up. They get up around here, and I go, ow. And they go, oh, like that. Except one time, I said, yeah, you can pull the beard. And the kid reached up and I went, ow, and he grabbed the beard and he pulled it down. And I had these elastic straps that went up underneath the wig and the mustache is hanging there and, and everybody's looking. I said, uh, okay, you can let go now. And the thing came up <laughs> over my face like this. And I pulled it back down over my chin and went on about my business. Um, I would get, occasionally I'd be kneeling down talking to a child, 
and I'd get goosed. <laughs> Strangely enough, usually I turn and look, and there would be some guys on leave from the Orlando Naval Base. Um, so yes, Lou, there were these things that happened. Um, Somebody said it was probably Lou who pulled on the beard. I promise I was very kind to Dreamfinder when I met him. I looked uh, before today. I actually was trying to do a search to see if I could find pictures of the, at least the ones I had scanned of um, me as a kid. Because I remember meeting, I guess it was you, like meeting Dreamfinder um, as a kid and just, again, wanting to spend all my time in Epcot Center. And, you know... As I say that, I think, again, we're talking about sort of this, um, not this ongoing, just this ongoing love for these characters, but uh, a number of years ago, I guess it was at a Destination D here when, right, wasn't it, was it Destination D or D23 Expo when Dreamfinder made a surprise, a, appearance. a surprise appearance on stage with Richard? 2011. Um, the characters have been gone since 1998. Uh, I was having lunch in 2010 in California with um, a fellow who worked for D23. And he's was talking and he says, uh, we uh, want to bring back the Dreamfinder for this for the 40th anniversary. We're going to do a big concert at the, the Contemporary Hotel and we want to bring back the Dreamfinder and surprise Richard Sherman and everybody. And I said, it'll never happen. There's no way they're going to let you bring back the Dreamfinder. Why? Why did you not think he would be able to come back? Because the character had been gone at that point for 12 years. And um, nobody had ever knocked on my door up to that point or anybody else's. Um, the, the parting was a little acrimonious in 1998. Um, and so I thought, no, there's no way they're going to put together the costume and the dragon and all this stuff. And, um, but this guy uh, was determined. And he found a guy in or Miami Beach who could make the costume. They sent him a bunch of pictures. And uh, one of the dream finders, one of the old dream finders, had managed to make off with a dragon <laughs> back in the 80s. And um, so I called him up and said, listen, can I borrow the dragon? He goes, yeah, sure. So he sent me that. And we put this thing together. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. Um, the stage manager, the day we did it, and Richard Sherman and Tim O'Day, who was handling Richard, the only people who knew what we were up to. And um, I showed up. And by the way, this story is told in extreme detail in my book. I was like, where could they learn more about stories? Well, of well as a matter of fact, Lou, uh, the book is called From Dreaming to Dreamfinder, Life and Lessons Learned in 40 Years Behind a Name Tag. End of plug. So, I was going to bring mine with me, but it's the only one that I, I know, but it's the only one that I have, and you signed it to me, so I was like, I need to keep it hermetically sealed in oh, the yeah. mouth at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but you should go on Amazon. So, um, so I show up at this thing and uh, walk out on stage. 2,000 people in this place who had awesome. no idea what was happening jump up. They're rushing towards the stage 
Women are crying. The front the front row was Tony Baxter and Bob Gurr and Marty Sklar and all the people who built the parks are there. And it was amazing. And we did, uh, we sang One Little Spark with Richard Sherman. And um, the place lost its collective marbles. It was amazing. I was there and I saw it. And it was, it was, not only was it a surprise, but it was one of those, look at who is up on stage, you know, all at the same time. And the welling of emotion, um, of the flooding of memories and, and joyful tears was, it was, it was a, it was a special thing. Somebody asked, is there a video? I'm sure there's video As on As a YouTube. matter of fact, <laughs> yes. Um, I had a friend, a friend who was working for the company at the time, and he was working that day at the, at the show. Uh, his job was to make sure that nobody videotaped the show. <laughs> he was there to make sure no one was taking pictures or videotaping the show. I came walking out on stage. This guy whipped out his phone <laughs> and started filming. So if you go on YouTube, search for Dreamfinder D23, you'll find it. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. I've watched it a couple times. It was. It was a special thing to, um, to be in that room um, when it happened. It was just after that when I saw the response online after he posted the video. That's one of the things that got me to write the book. Made me realize I needed to write the book. Well, which also makes me think because of that type of response, it is it, it's indicative of a more global feeling about the character. And again, we're seeing Figment in merchandise. We're seeing him as sort of the mascot of Festival of the Arts, obviously, and even some of the other festivals as well. You know, I feel like, and maybe it's wishful thinking that the handwriting is on the wall, that there is something more for Figment that is to come soon. Because I was convinced after last D23 Expo, as they announced all the changes to Epcot, uh -huh. we noticed that imagination... There was the model. And there was no, no mention, mention of imagination. And I'm like, okay, I get the strategy. They don't want this to get lost. They don't want the impact of this to get lost in everything they're announcing here. They're going to save this for Destination D when it comes back to Walt Disney World and blow the minds off of the local people who have probably even a closer connection to it. Again, you know, thanks COVID for everything that's happened since then, but I still believe that. Ron, I still... It's, it's one of the great side effects of being as positive a guy as you are. I'm not going to give up that hope. You, you, when you look for the good in people, you take a microscope <laughs> to these things. I am, t I am also convinced that somewhere behind locked doors in Glendale, there is a hell of a ride, maybe two or three, that are sitting on the shelf somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's, too, good a, it's too good an idea, it's too good a concept for Epcot not to do something with it someday. And as long as people like Brad Bird are alive, and uh, the people who are inspired to work at, imag at Imagineering are, are fans like you and I are, Something's going to pop up. Something's going to happen. Yeah. I'm convinced, yeah. And they don't have to license it from anybody either. We already own it. So just so if they came to you and said, Ron, you are the dream finder, what should we do? What should we include in this attraction? What sort of um, input would you give in terms of what you'd like to see happen or return to a new iteration of it? Well, everybody, all from, your, from Imagineering, turn your... Uh, TV off at this point, okay? Because you can't, you're not allowed to listen to this. Um, I spent some time thinking about this because I've been asked a lot of times. In the first ride, in the original ride, 
Dreamfinder is flying in the Dreamcatching machine, collecting sparks of inspiration, which he then uses to in different realms of creativity. Okay? You take the ride vehicle from Journey to the center of the Earth, Tokyo. Which so is this, spectacular. This little, you got this little bus, little bus rather, where people are sitting looking out the sides. You put people in there, you give them cannons that can suck up sparks of inspiration. Right. They're flying the dream catching machine. They're going through the sky now. They're aiming the cannons, sucking up random ideas that are in their visuals. And then we fly them back through the realm of literature, of art, through image technology, science, and they fire those ideas at the different inspirations and create something new on the ride. This is the same story, but now the guest is the star. Those people were, were sitting at that other table and they were watching. Yes. They were watching the video while oh, they were watching. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you. Bye. Thanks for leaving. Thanks for coming. <laughs> then leaving. Well, I, and I love it because that's, you know, in 2020 and beyond, that's where we are in terms of wanting not just passive experiences. We want something that truly is interactive and allowing us to partially play the role of storyteller and, and story creator, too. And if you give people at least the sensation and the feeling that the things, that the actions that they're taking on the ride are impacting the outcome of their story, then also you have the rewritability factor sort of going through the roof. That's why the theme park is. This, the, the theme park is not something that you watch, it's something that you experience. It, uh, the product of a themed entertainment is not the architecture, it's not the food, it's not the music, it's not the, the, the rides. It's your experience of the rides and the food and the architecture. And um, it's, our product is that guest experience. The, uh, the, the medium is the guest. And so uh, it only makes sense that anything we do with the ride would put you center stage and make you the dream finder, which is what the original ride was anyway. That was the point of the original ride. That's really smart. That's really smart. As much as I want to see Dreamfinder come back, I, I do. Oh, I want definitely. To see the he, should, come back. he should be there saying, step out to your left. <laughs> your car and the platform are traveling at the same speed. Although the one, the, the Dreamfinder in the comic looked a little bit, a lot different than the Dreamfinder. Well, I had been dieting at that point. I was, I had been, I had been slimming down. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, had a, I, had, I had a tummy tuck and uh, when I post for those. But since then, you know, I've let myself go. Um, and by the way, if you have a question for Ron, yes. um, please feel free to, to post it here as well. Uh, so you mentioned Tokyo. Have you been to the other parks, international parks? I've only been to, to Paris. Okay. I've been to Paris, which I loved. It was beautiful. And uh, Paris and then Disneyland is my home. I miss that terribly. So of all the Disney parks and the attractions that you've experienced, what do you think, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, you know, we all always talk about what Walt would think, what would Walt, 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 and we don't really know. But if Walt appeared in front of us right now, not only would we have a coronary, but if you could take Walt one place and show him one thing, attraction, show, land, whatever it be, where would you take him and why? I take him to YouTube to show him Walt's frozen head. <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? A little bit. I sort of set that one up, but... Well, let me rephrase that. Yes. I'm a bad, I, was, I was a very bad lawyer. I did not frame my questions appropriately. 
Where in the Disney theme park? Yes. Oh, take? yes. <laughs> would you take Walt? I see what you mean. Well, um, gosh. Probably I'd take him to American Adventure. Why? I, 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 want, I would want him to see... See, if you, if you took him to On Rise of the Resistance, you wouldn't know what he was seeing. <laughs> you took him to... Um, you took him on a uh, flight of passage, he'd probably <laughs> curl up in a ball, sit in the corner and whimper. It's overwhelming. But American Adventure is such uh, a forward step from what he knew. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this in a very realistic way. Right. I'm trying to. I'm trying to and, and obviously we all know of Walt's patriotism too, so I think you would love to see it just I would, from a personal perspective. I would take him on Fast and Furious. No, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, you would no, not. I wouldn't. I would not allow that. <laughs> Spider-Man, you can take him Spider on. Spider-Man, take him on Spider-Man. Take him on Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think because, because he had, I don't know if he had an inkling of American Adventure coming up. You know, there's a book called Waking Walt. Have you ever seen or heard of this? I have it. I've never actually gotten around to reading it you, yet. Oh, you've got to. You've got to. Because in the book, he goes to Epcot Center. And he sees American Adventure. Um, maybe that's where I got the idea. Which I think for a lot of people, you know, I think Epcot's almost like the easy answer, you know, because... That was, yeah, that was all, his baby. Although some people are concerned, would he be, would he potentially not like what this version of Epcot is versus the one that he had in his brain on his deathbed? We don't know how different they might be. Well, remember, he wanted to do that industrial part. And really, that's, I think, what, what his future will turn into was a version of an industrial park. You went through displays from the big companies, and you cover up your nose and your mouth, and you wash your hands. And that's the future. Um, so I th think he would have liked, liked Epcot a lot. Um, but um, no, I, I think that, uh, I mean, given enough time, you know, give him a couple of weeks, he could see the whole thing, and I think he'd be very pleased with most of it. Not right today, but... Um, so somebody asked, there was a couple questions, uh, yes. and I think Jim asked, would you be, if Disney said to you, hey, we would love for you I'm too old. to don the costume again I'm, and... I'm not in any shape. No. I, I, I thank you. Now, they, they would never have to ask me twice to come in and have a hand in it and, and, and teach other people to, to respect the character and use the character for its full potential and not just pose for pictures and sign autographs because it's too good a character for that. Um, there's too much there. as He can be every bit as effective as me as taking the ride. Um, but uh, but doing it myself, I'll do the voice, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, somebody asked if you still have the original costume and do you have any um, souvenirs from the attraction or any figment merchandise of your own that, that you... I got, a, got a, I got a fair collection of figment merchandise. Um, I recently sp uh, spent a couple months in the hospital, and I uh, got a sleeping figment one day. <laughs> and I got the new baby figment, the little the plush that came out here. And I got this figment that sits on my shoulder now. You can get one of these. Um, we need to get you a new magnet. Uh, yes, the <laughs> magnet. I lost, Jamie, I lost the magnet. The, the first time I used it, I lost the magnet. Um, uh, I got some pins like that. 
But uh, I lived with that damn dragon for five years. Um, if I if I want to have Figma next to me, all I have to do is thrust my elbow painfully <laughs> forward, crook my thumb down, and I can feel him there. As a matter of fact, uh, Fred wants to know, and I don't know who this is. Do you know Tommy Walker? Uh, Tommy Walker is a is a Disney legend long before I came to the company. He was the man who invented uh, the entertainment at Disney at Disneyland. Okay. His father was Vichy Walker, who was the leader of the Disneyland band when it was created. So, no, I never met uh, uh, Tommy, but um, I know of him. Uh, Jamie says she loves you, Ron. She does. I think a lot of people love you. Jamie's that's, just the only one who's actually come out and said it. Yeah, that's, that's right. not my Jamie, but I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you get people even now, like when you're out recognizing you like these ladies these these ladies keep looking over i mean they're our friends but they keep looking over like is that dream finder is that the dream finder i think part of it is because we're in the pants optional area <laughs> yeah, um but uh, as a matter of fact i was rolling through the park today with my mask on and somebody went hi ron um yeah i get recognized i get recognized and then they have, they have the children with them they say hey this is the dream finder and the ch kids have no idea who the heck yeah. i am well, that's bad parenting right there. Exactly. If they're not taking their, their if they are not showing their kids <clears throat> the original <clears throat> and really the only good, I, rem I remember the sadness that I remember walking out of that second awful iteration going what? to my dad, like, where's Figment? Like, what? Did I miss something? Like, dad, like, Figment wasn't in the ride. Like, we couldn't. Like we almost couldn't believe, like, what did they do? What was? And I understand what the thought process was, um, but it was a sad day. It was a sad day in, in Epcot Center. I've heard this story a couple times. I'm sure. Um, somebody again, a lot of people ask about your fondest memories. Um, people agreeing with you that they think Walt would love American Adventure. Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of people are asking, "What are you doing? What are you doing now, Ron?" I don't mean right this this very moment, but just you know. What's going on in Ron's world in general? Uh, I do voiceover work occasionally. Um, I do plays. I do some online Zoom plays with a group called Playwrights Roundtable. And um, I got I got a project working. Uh, keep your eye on YouTube uh, in the next couple of months. Something something's coming up. You've always got. And look, you know, I love seeing this. So Brian Scott says it's wonderful to see you again. Thanks for being such a wonderful part of my childhood. Like, how does it make you feel knowing? that you that breathed life into this character with unscripted had that much of a positive ripple impact literally decades later on people in 1970s when i first started to dream about a career doing this kind of performance um there's a wonderful fellow by the name of alan watts who talks about eastern philosophies and um, but he lectures uh, about Eastern philosophy for Western minds, and he talks about how all of life, you know, all of reality is—it's a dance that energy is doing. We're all made of star stuff. We're all just molecules vibrating at different patterns. And one person in their life can't hope to make that much of a difference. It's like a waves on the ocean. It's just endless. But the way to make a difference in this world is to be a part of a larger wave. You are a perfect example. You have sent out ripples for days 
They're like this boulder in the ocean. I don't know if you've ever heard this simile before. Um, I became uh, inspired by the Golden Horseshoe Review. It's a show that ran from 1955 to 1986. Five, five and ten shows a day. I wanted to be a part of that wave and carried that tradition forward. Um, with everything that I've done in my career, uh, I've always moved towards imp impacting people's lives in imaginative ways. Um, Dreamfinder was a part of that. It wasn't the be-all and end-all. I've gotten to do a lot of different jobs. Usually I last five or six years in a job. I learn everything I can, but then I want to move on and do something else with, in a new aspect of this particular art form. So when I got to get up on stage at the Golden Horseshoe for the first time in my life and use my real name, that was a big deal. When I think about all the people who took my picture posing with a lion back in 1972 at Magic Mountain, I made books all over the world. All the people who I, I got to touch as Dreamfinder and um, the people I've mentored, it's, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world. Uh, it's the reason I wrote the book. And there's, and there's countless people whose lives and children's lives you have impacted that you just don't even know about because they just don't, you know, never wait. So Cody asked a question, he says, Ron, will you tell the story about the Dreamfinder stage show you planned for Epcot and did you have any input in the figment educational shorts? Do you mean the purple potato? The, the purple, purple potato! <laughs> um, I'm very proud to say I had nothing to do with those cartoons. Um, but uh, when I first started researching creativity and imagination before I had started doing the job, I found a book called uh, Creative Dramatics about uh, improvisational storytelling with kids. And I took one look at this thing and I said, oh, this is a great idea for a show. We could do a live show where you would get a bunch of kids together and improvise a story and they would help you act it out. And um, I uh, put together a proposal uh, to uh, the, the people who ran Epcot. I wanted to take uh, this one section of Communicore that wasn't being used and I wanted to build a meadow inside with a tree stump in the middle of it. And the tree stump, up from the tree stump would come Figment. And I would sit there in the middle of the room, in this big, grassy, soft, foam area, surrounded by kids, and we would tell stories to entertain Figment. <laughs> and the kids and I would make the stories up. And um, I, uh, I proposed this idea. I said we could do three or four shows a day. And um, they were kind enough to take that idea. And... <laughs> blow it way up. <laughs> we try to make a TV series out of it. With cartoons and puppets and real kids and a flying machine. And they, they spent, we spent like a couple thousand dollars on miniatures and storyboards. And I sat there listening to this thing and I went, no, it's not the, the, the message is not known. And so we, we put together this whole big presentation, presented it to Michael Eisner, and he went, it's too big. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, the characters had such amazing potential. The, um, I, I, my dream was to take Dreamfinder and Figment and give them a presence in World Showcase. 
let Figment be the ambassador for the kids to the countries. I mean, they opened the kid cot things, right. the crafts areas. I said, but that should have been, Figment should have been opening the door for that. I wanted to do a storyteller album with, where Figment escapes from imagination and Dreamfinder goes, has to go chasing him around World Showcase. And that way, Figma would learn about the countries, the kids would learn about the countries, and uh, would be a treasure hunt in the book, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was not to be. Well, hopefully somebody's listening and, and they make well, that I want my nickel. Face coverings must fully cover your nose and mouth. Figment face coverings? You can make Figment face coverings? The merchandising would be huge. See, everybody just needs to walk around like this. Do you miss them? Do you miss those? Do you miss sort of the... I miss Figment. I miss having... The two things I miss are having Figment next to me, having that spirit, and uh, the kids' faces. It was... Uh, I mean, look at this. This is no substitution. <laughs> um, people are asking about... Yes. Um, again, it shows how much... The questions that we're getting in such a wide spectrum shows how much they care about you and this character. So they want to know, somebody was, a few people were asking about the current plans and this transformation that's going on right now in Epcot, taking you know, maybe a little bit longer than we had originally hoped, but this movement into the next chapter and phase in the future while still keeping what appears to be one foot firmly planted in the past. What do you think, assuming that everything that was on those D23 drawing boards is actually going to happen, what are your thoughts? Epcot will never be, no matter how many thrill rides they put in, it'll never be the Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom is the Magic Kingdom. Epcot is a more uh, contemporary park. It's not timeless. You know, the, the Magic Kingdom is timeless. Epcot is, uh, is really a more contemporary park. Um, they'll put in timeless attractions, but um, I think I think there's this room enough for both. It, yes, it isn't as dry as it once was. I mean, it took a lot of guts for Card Walker and Don Tatum to say to Marty Sklar, "Okay, if you want to build a park with no Mickey Mouse in it, here's the money." That took a lot of guts, and there was a purity there. There was a mission there that people uh, responded to to a certain extent. Uh, there were people who were disappointed there was no Mickey Mouse, definitely. Um, I think that the stereotypical, pervasive, oh no, they shouldn't ever change anything at all, ever. No way, please. They've ruined my childhood when they took out Maelstrom. Because um, <laughs> yes. everybody loved the oil rig. The oil rig was huge. I have, there's, I have so much oil rig merchandise at home. I have like an entire shrine. Pigment on one side, and the oil derrick on the other. I'd slap you except for the razor burn. <laughs> be, I shaved it. like five minutes ago. I know you did. I watched it. Um, so people are always going to complain, oh, it's not Epcot anymore. And it's not the city that wanted blah, blah, blah. Um, really, paying customers do not own this park. All we ever know is what we've seen. You, ask, you scratch a Disney fan, all they want is Mr. Toad to come back. <laughs> Because they've seen Mr. Toad, and they want Mr. Toad. I would um, prefer 20,000 Leagues to come back. With exact, that exactly. Thank you for, po for uh, poisoning for my point. <laughs> Thanks for being rational and saying yeah. 20,000 Leagues. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want 
I don't want Dreamfinder to come back simply because I saw what they did with Figment when they brought him back. Um, not to say it couldn't be done right, but could I'm, he come I'm back? Wary. Can Dreamfinder come back? Whether it's a, a more comic book iteration of him or even you know, Figment Dreamfinder doesn't have to be fat. He doesn't have to be that character. I mean, fat. I mean, fat's a harsh term. It, 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 cuddly. cuddly, 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 cuddly. That's right. And boy, have I become cuddly. I got a lot of, a lot know, of cuddle. Look, very look, at, look at the video on YouTube of me in 2011. That's some major cuddles there. Um, you can just search for that, too. Dream Finder dream, major cuddles. and You'll get a very different video, I'm sure. Dream, yeah, dream Finder is not any of the physical manifestation. He's an idea. He always has been. And... Um, that's what made him precious, that's what made him memorable, and uh, so he can look like anything, he can do anything, he can be anything. That's what being the Dreamfinder is, is the possibility to, to be anything. And um, so I'm not worried about them getting the voice right, or the look right. I'm worried about the, the spirit of the character and him carrying that message, uh, because that's what Walt was about when he built the parks, that's what Tony Baxter was about when he designed the ride, and that's what theme parks need to be about. They need to be about something in you, something that you can respond to, and Dreamfinder uh, was at one point a, a lovely example of that. I think the world can use a little bit more Dreamfinder and Figment in it um, more than ever, so... Yeah, I'm as much Dreamfinder as I'm going to be. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, I saw somebody else ask, and I'm not sure if I asked you this already. Um, do you have favorite um, attractions in the parks, or ones that just you rode and just sort of blew you away? Just from a, again, from a theme park enthusiast perspective, Tower of Terror I think is is absolutely brilliant. Horizons was wonderful. Um, I, I say this all the time. Horizons Adventurers Club. It's like the ex girlfriend, meaning. You don't really love her until she says she's leaving you. They're like, oh, no, no, you're my favorite. Please don't go. Horizons never had a line. Like, and then all the, now all of a sudden everybody wishes Horizons would come back. Well, that, well, first of all, Horizons was, Horizons was one of those rare, perfect attractions. It was a people eater. Mm -hmm. So there was never a line. The ride system was brilliant and comfortable. There was all these visuals. It was long. Told a great story. Had many wonderful surprises in it. Um, I would get off work from, I put the dragon away and go ride Horizons. I loved it. Um, uh, as much as I hate puns, Kitchen Cabaret always entertained me. How'd and, that song go again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Who remember? I'm going I'm to get remembers? him to sing and I'm going to get him to do the voice. Don't worry. What? Oh, do you want, oh, you want the imagination ride? Oh, come on. How can we not? Figma and I have enjoyed our journey into imagination with you. Now leave me the hell alone. <laughs> I still have, I still kept to this day. Oh, I wish I had, I wish I had my, could get it on my phone. You left me, you either left me like a voicemail or something years ago, and you're like, and I'm not going to do a bad Dreamfinder impression, but you're like, this is the Dreamfinder, and I'm out of work, and I'm looking for work, and if you're looking for me, I'll be working on I4 and like pumping gas. Or you something. do that better than a couple of the Dreamfinders did, actually. 
Hello there, this is the Dream Finder, your unemployed host of the old journey into imagination. If you have any work, please get back to me, but in the meantime, you're listening to WDW Radio. Um, yeah, it, yeah, they, they get it right a lot. I, I, of course, I, I will never be able to ride a flight of passage, um, because now they build rides that I can't ride. Um, I hope to ride Rise of the Resistance someday, instead of just watch the videos. Don't um, watch the run. Don't watch the videos. I have to. You can't because do it. I because God knows if I'm ever going to get to ride the thing. Um, so no, I have to. I have to. Yeah, I take it you haven't watched Beauty and the Beast yet. I have not. I um I refuse to watch anything until I, I see it with my own I, eyes. I admire you. I admire you. It's for difficult that. to do, but when I did go to Tokyo for the first time, when mm-hmm. I saw. Pirates in Shanghai for the first time, oh, yeah. and I was a my mouth was a at what I saw. Tokyo is remarkable in in every sense of the word. Um, if if it wasn't for people like Jeff Lang and Big Fat Panda and um, and Martin uh, Smith, I would have no idea what was going on in the parks at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that mobile. First of all, and uh, second of all, I don't uh, have the funds to do the traveling. Uh, send your donations to DreamFinder at Yahoo.com. Uh, it, it's actually a DreamFinder and Lou go to Japan.kickstarter.com. Is that's the one we're at? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. The two of us. <laughs> I'll be your guide. I'll help guide you through. Only because I've been there. It's, uh, but uh, Tokyo Disneyland, Tokyo Disney Sea specifically, is what happens when you go to Imagineering and go here. Here's all the money that you want. Have at it. Knock yourself out. You want to do a Jules Verne? Do you want to do 20,000 Leagues? Journey to the Center of the Earth? Monster? Knock yourself out. Hello, give kids the world. <laughs> Hello, give fat Jews the world. <laughs> and some of the best food you'll find in any park oh, anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Favorite place Dreamfinder likes to eat in, in Disney World? Um, coral Reef. I love Coral Reef. Uh, just the lobster bisque. I'm oh. a sucker for a good lobster bisque. Yeah, you like lobster bisque. Ooh. I'm gonna. I'm. This is not a plug, but it's a plug. Have you been to the boathouse yet? Uh, no. What? Gee, what? My God, I man! I have to rent a wheelchair when I go there. We're, listen, I'll make a deal with you. You rent the scooter. I'll take you to boathouse. That lobster bisque is gonna. Not, not that you're wearing socks. If you was wearing socks, it would knock your socks off. I mean, you can't order anything else. Just lobster bisque and a side order of water, and that's it. Because I'm on a fixed budget. I'm on a fixed budget. <laughs> Tammy had lunch at, at, at Coral Reef yesterday. Yeah. Did you mention my name? Oh. Mention, Ron, mention Ron's name. They add 10% to your bills. <laughs> Devin says we should, do, we should be doing this live from the boathouse. Yeah, we're going to make we're gonna make that. Uh, we're going to make boathouse happen. What's the uh, true size of figment? Um, it depends which one you're talking about. The one in the ride was taller than the puppet. It was more lizard-like. Just like all Disney characters, when they put them in merchandising, the proportions change <laughs> to suit whatever they're doing. Figman had to fit a human arm, which he barely did, as a matter of fact. Uh, let me see. How cool do you get a voicemail from Dreamfinder? A lot of people, when, when you did the voice... They lost their collective mind. <laughs> like hearing that voice once again um, brings back a lot of good memories for people. Doesn't that make you feel good? Like, you know, 
when you get to be my age, I think you'll think about this more, but you start to think about words like legacy and what you leave behind and, and the impact, hopefully positive, that you've left on the world behind you. Do you think about, do you, sit, you know, do you sit back in your chair at night, you know, lick, lick the Dorito dust off your fingers and go, look at what I've left behind. From Forget the other roles that you've had, but just from that one role for those few years? The vast majority of my life is spent sitting back, <laughs> except the, the, the main difference is Cheetos. It's Cheetos. Oh, same, yeah, it's the same but, orange um, dust. Yeah, same orange dust. Um, yeah, definitely. That's really the greatest satisfaction I've got, is uh, I mean, being able to look back. I did 40 years of it, and um, the people that I've, uh, I've been able to infl influence and entertain. Uh, my friend Dan Carroll, I was working on a German theme park, uh, their big Halloween promotion, and he met with a guy who runs their uh, entertainment. And the guy's got my book on his desk, and he says that he refers to my book all the time. It makes the whole thing worth it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, and, and I'm watching um, people talk about their, their memories um, and the, the gratitude that they have for you, not just being here today, but um, for, what, for the joy that you've brought to them for so many years. Ditto. It's mutual, folks. You've given this old man a wonderful gift. You know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get, I'm going to buy a copy of <clears throat> uh, From Dreamers to Dreamfinder, mm -hmm. and I'm going to I'm gonna make you sign it, or I'll forge your name, same thing. It wouldn't be the first time I forged your name, just no. so you know. Um, <laughs> but I'll get you to sign it, and maybe I'll give one away as a prize. Wonderful! Right. Win a date with Ron Schneider. Uh, not that's taking it too we've far. done that before. No, we've done that before. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Win we a did. date with the Dream Finder? Um, yes. Uh, my, my pal Josh Young, uh, with whom I created the uh, Theme Park uh, University website, um, we did a contest, and uh, these two lovely ladies uh, won a lunch with me and Josh. Uh, we went to the um, <coughs> Trails End. Oh, that's lunch. good eating right there. Yeah. And. Uh, they, I think I think we gave them the books, and uh, one of them works at uh, Universal in uh, uh, Universal Creative, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, we've done that. Wow, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do. Wait, maybe we'll combine what? it. Maybe yes. we'll do like win a date with Dreamfinder, and we'll, me and you and the lucky or unlucky winner will go to the boathouse together. You one get one. lobster bisque, they get a date with the Dreamfinder, and, and I get stuff in the check. <laughs> Great minds. Wait a minute. This is the worst idea. That was Great the stupidest minds. idea I've ever had. Set it up. I'll Maybe. be there with my. I'll, I'll bring a copy of the book. Oh well, if it's a free book, then uh, yeah. Now all of a sudden, everybody's in. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in. Um, let's see. I, I, I kept on seeing a number of comments going by, and I mm. want to make sure we. Uh, so uh, somebody said that is upset. His wife missed it. Um, this will be available on the replay, and maybe I'll pull the audio and I'll pop it into the podcast as well. Thank you, Ron. My members of Dreamfinders are such happy ones. Carrie and is echoing the sentiments that I keep seeing over and over again. Um, Walt Disney would put Dreamfinder in the new Figment ride instead of the current host. I think everybody would. Yeah. <laughs> like, no offense to Eric Idle. Like, awesome. You know, Body Python, great, but um, it's not. It's not our. Um, I love you in Figments and why Tony Baxter is my favorite Imagineer. Here, so, here. Um, just, just a lot of love for. So, oh, Jim says, would you, do, would you do anything different? 
other than this interview right here, right now, would you do anything? Would you make any other different choices? No. I would. I I have been so lucky to be born when I was born, so that I was just the right age to be at Disneyland when it opened, Magic Mountain when it opened, Epcot when it opened, through the Golden Horseshoe, all of it. I've just been amazingly lucky. Um, I would not change a damn thing, except maybe I'd like to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know who's lucky? This guy. Because I get, I think we're friends. Can I say we're friends? Just say yes, just for the camera. Nobody's watching this, yeah, right? That's yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, to be able to say that not only have I been able to enjoy what you gave to me, I'm getting choked up. Enjoy what you gave to me as a kid and my memories of, of riding that attraction with my family and then taking my children to see it and, and watch the videos of it and then you being so gracious to my family and to all of my friends today who are watching. Uh, I am consider myself very, very fortunate and very blessed to know you and I thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your time with us today. Well, it's and, and all the people out there feel the same way about you. God knows that you, you are such a gift to the fan community and to anybody who loves Disney or Give Kids the World or all the wonderful work that you do um, that uh, they feel exactly the same way, buddy. Well, thank you. Um, so if people want to find your book, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. We got hardcover, softcover. We got the digital. We got the audio. Ooh. Nine hours of me talking. Wait, you read the audio book? I, the whole way, nine shut hours. Up. That'll put no, you to really, sleep no, like up, nobody's sure. business. Thank you. <laughs> Do you, I have to ask because I know they're thinking it, do you throw a little Dreamfinder voice in there at all? Um, yes, there's a, right at the beginning of the thing, I, 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 I do one line of Dreamfinder voice. Oh, gosh. That's what everybody loves. People, they've lost the their collective that. line. Um, how could one pay for an autograph? You know what we're going to do? Uh, you buy me lunch. You buy me lunch. I give you a copy of the paperback with, uh, and I sign it. Wow. You have to take me to Perkins for, for lunch. Perkins, that's easy. Wait, yeah. we went, didn't we go to Perkins? Probably. I, got, I, get, I milk this for everything I can get. How did I sink myself into Boathouse when I could have gotten away with Perkins? <laughs> you know what? When, when all this mask stuff is over and we get back to doing meetups and stuff again, we'll do an event or something together and we'll have people come out and, and meet you. And I'll, I promise, I'll be, wait a minute, I'm going to feed you right now. Oh, yeah? Right, right here, right now. What, what, what possible thing could you feed me? Thanks to my friend Jen Gin from Cult Cookies. And I know it's backward, but I promise that says Cult Cookies. Uh, there's something I want to show you, the viewers at home, that she made just for us. This is her limited edition, because there's no such thing as infinite cookies, unfortunately. But it is a limited run of original Epcot Center logo. Go for it, my man. Go grab your cookie. That one nice. is all you. Yay! And uh, not only do they look good, but they taste good, too. Just like candy. There you go. And you can find her over at cultcustomcookies.com. I think... I think she's only making a limited run of these Epcot ones that she makes at home by hand. Nice. She's been up very, very late in this, <laughs> in this past week um, making you, a lot of cookies. So, um, and those cookies are not meant to be shared. Like, it's just for you. 
never been a problem for me, clearly. So um, I will make sure I put a link um, that people can go and get your book. But it's from Dreamer to Dreamfinder, and as you know, and also will... uh, Walt's Frozen Head is on YouTube. The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head, and, uh, and I'm on uh, I'm on on Facebook, and like that. And I think you hinted that, you know, you got something else in the, in the works. There's another project coming up in a couple of months, I think. When, uh, when that happens, we'll do all this again. I'll ask yeah. you different questions. Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, because these were awful. <laughs> um, he's Ron Schneider. He is one of the good ones. Um, classic, dare I say, legendary. Can you do us one last favor? Can you take us out with just a little bit of, uh, and this is all you, man, with just a little bit of Dreamfinder? Figma and I have enjoyed our journey to imagination with you. And now it's time for you to go to explore your own sparks of inspiration in the image works, the creative playground of the future. There. Ron Schneider. I love it. If it wasn't weird, I would hug him, but it's weird and COVID it's and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's weird. We'll, we'll hug, we'll hug after you're gone. <laughs> Listen, thank you so very much for watching. If you happen to be here in Magic Kingdom, I have not one, not two, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine more cookies that I will give away. Come find me right here, right now, at the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station Relaxation. Come here, come, come over. Come over and get the there's actually somebody watching. Grab, grab a cookie. Grab Look, it's Darlene Nagy, formerly of West Seneca, New York. Do you know who this guy is? I do, right? It's the Dreamfinder. Do you have a question for the Dreamfinder? Anything you want to know. He'll answer anything. Anything. Thank you for your Favorite color? Truthfully, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. it, as a matter of fact. Personally. <laughs> what needs? Uh, I think it started at about 13.50 an hour, <laughs> and then it got up around uh, $16, actually. Wow. $16 an hour. A day? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, an, an hour. hour. An, an hour. hour. Woo. You're going to buy Dream, me. He's going to buy Dream, me. Dreamfinder was the, at the time, the most expensive character they had out on set because the cost of the wigs, beards, mustaches, costumes, and maintenance on the dragon and paying me. <laughs> that and wasn't your real beard? Um, Can I pull it, was it? A, it was a Can I pull it? <laughs> so I told everybody, say, it's, people say, is that your real beard? I say, no, it's a rental. <laughs> so that's that's what made me come to it. It was just a perfect character. There's, there's an opportunity like that only comes once in a lifetime. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love Big Man. It's one of my favorite characters. You never had to work with him. <laughs> oh, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite part of being the Dreamfinder? Um, it all really led up to this moment, right? I mean, this was, that was really what you were really hoping for? Yeah. Getting to... I'm sorry, I'm not that big a liar. <laughs> at, the, at the kids. The kids. Seeing so a look on the kids' faces. And when I could get an adult act like a kid. Those are the best, the best times. Um, I've had a lot of, you know... The, the question I asked is, what was my favorite of all the jobs I had? And each one of them had its own special thing going for it. But with Dreamfinder... It was the kids. Yeah. Have a cookie. Pick a cookie. Go ahead before they all pick your favorite Epcot Pavilion. Come have a cookie. Come on. Oh, I knew Horizons was going to go fast.
No, no, no. Listen, I, clearly this is a body that does not need very many more cookies. Wait, before you pick it, you've got to identify what all the remaining ones are. What, which one is this? Sing it, sing it. Come on. Where the glow, feel the glow of your corn, the thing in your That one's yellow. It's not the yellow pavilion. The yellow it's pavilion. The, yellow the coward's pavilion. It's from the making of me pavilion. <laughs> the iron, it's not this, the is the, this is the <clears throat> this is the broken pavilion. It, this oh, is, it's all. <laughs> It's, it's, it's Epcot's broken dream. This is shattered earth. Aw, <laughs> oh, too soon. Again, you can find these, and again, I think they're a very, very limited run at cultcustomcookies.com. Have you told your story about Michael no, no, Jackson no, no. Oh. and some of the other stars that you got? To... I'll tell you. I'll tell the Michael Jackson story. That was fun. Okay, so I'm up in the I'm up in the my break room. I have a beautiful dressing room up in, upstairs, and I get a phone call saying Michael Jackson's downstairs and he wants to meet the Dreamfinder. <laughs> okay, so I throw on the dragon and I go downstairs, and I walk out into the garden area, and the whole thing's roped off. All of it. There's nobody there except Michael Jackson, and uh, so I go over, and he's just charmed by us and um the night before uh the uh, th thriller video had debuted oh. on mtv and so i said by the way we saw the video the new video i said really and he took his sunglasses off and my hand of god there was a red patch and a green patch and a blue patch he was all the colors of the rainbow <laughs> he said didn't you think it was too dark and i said no he, he, they wanted your eyes to pop out. He said, oh, okay. We found out later that when he would visit uh, Epcot, he would use our dressing room as a place to hide out from the guests. So we redecorated. <laughs> we took a big, one of the big posters for Captain EO. We cut Captain EO's face and put Howard the Duck. <laughs> and I just found a copy of it. It's online. There's a picture of it. You can see it online. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my Michael Jackson story. He's very nice, very very nice. I was hoping to do the Michael Jackson voice and do a little Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Kusa, but no, no that. All right, listen, we have a lot of cookies to eat. Thank you again so very much Thanks for being so here. Thanks, Ron Schneider. You are a good man, Charlie Brown. We uh, we very much appreciate you. Thank you very much for spending and sharing your day with us here in Magic Kingdom to celebrate Walt Disney World's 49th anniversary. Get out there. Don't just choose the good. Be the good. I love and appreciate you. Bye. I just turned the camera off so I can steal back wrongs turn into imagination cookie. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details. Sometimes what you see, 
hear, remember, or even taste? If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, in anticipation of Walt Disney World's anniversary on October 1st, I asked you to tell me how many attractions were there operational in Fantasyland on Walt Disney World's opening day, October 1st, 1971. First things first, thank you to the hundreds of you who entered. Got this one correct or really, really close. I will tell you that the answer that I have is eight. The number of attractions that I have is eight. I literally received numbers that ranged from about five to somebody I think said 123. Somewhere in, listen, if you were basically in the range of like six to 10, I counted it as correct. Here's the ones that I have for Walt Disney World's opening day, October 1st, Snow White's Adventures. Remember, it wasn't scary adventures yet. The Mickey Mouse Review, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, rest in peace. Cinderella's Golden Carousel, now Prince Charming's Regal Carousel. Dumbo the Flying Elephant before it doubled in size and moved down the street. The Mad Tea Party, It's a Small World, and the Skyway to Tomorrowland. Now, a lot of you included Peter Pan's Flight as an opening day attraction. I counted it as correct anyway, but technically, Peter Pan's Flight did not open on October 1st, but it opened two days later on October 3rd. Doesn't matter. Again, if you're in the ballpark, I put you in, and I randomly selected one winner. And again, last week, you were playing for all of my digital products, which include my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours, of the Magic Kingdom's history, details, secrets, and stories, all with the 3D ambient audio sounds of the Magic Kingdom behind you. By the way, both of those still available, just $10 per audio tour and the book at www.radio.com. But I digress, but you know it's not available on the site, but is part of your prize package a brand spanking new, I swear I haven't used it before, it's a WW Radio new blue cobalt mug, only available as a prize for the trivia contest and last week's winner, randomly selected, is Crystal Stosich from Chicago. Crystal, you use the online form. I have your mailing address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So as long as we're chatting with the original Dreamfinder about imagination and figment, I of course have to ask you a question about our little purple friend. And... Tell me this week, what TV show inspired Imagineer Tony Baxter to give the Little Purple Dragon the name Figment? I'm looking for the name of the TV show that inspired Tony Baxter to give the dragon the name of Figment. Now you have until Sunday, October 11th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the book all the audio tours, and a brand new mug. Also, don't forget to check out my daily-ish Disney trivia over on my Instagram stories and Instagram posts. It's easy, fun. There are no prizes, but you do get to test your knowledge and hopefully learn something new along the way. Again, I'm at Lou Mangiello on Instagram. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. 
If you enjoyed my conversation with Ron this week, I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and be part of the community and conversation by going to www.radio.com slash community. Find out all the different ways you can participate, including and especially our WW Radio group on Facebook. You can visit it directly by going to www.radio.com slash clubhouse. We'll also talk more about this week's show, our memories of Journey to Imagination, as well as my top five live Disney Plus pick of the week, your questions, 20 questions contest, and lots more. This and every Wednesday at www.radio.live.com. It's my live video broadcasting conversation on Facebook again every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Of course, huge thanks goes to everyone who is part of our WW Radio Nation family. Again, I sincerely appreciate your help and your support and your friendship, and I love being able to give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members, including Kaylin Yamarino, Chris Dolciato, Gary Witt, Doug Rabson, and Daniela Bentamo. If you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, trivia quests, we have our own private Facebook group, magic band covers, logo gear, exclusive live video group calls, and monthly care packages from Walt Disney World. Plus, this month I'm going to be announcing some new rewards for all the different levels. But to find out more, you can visit www.radio.com support. Again, it's completely optional, but a great way to help you show your support for WW Radio. And please don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Speaking of Make-A-Wish, I have to give my most sincerest gratitude and thanks to you and everyone who has participated in the fundraiser in honor of my mom's passing. It was started just over a week ago, thanks to Lisa Donato Glasner from the Castle Run, and we're now approaching a thousand donors. And to date, we have raised more than $56,000, which is five families of children with life-threatening illnesses who get to go and have their wishes granted in Walt Disney World. That is thanks to you. To find out more and to donate, you can visit www.radio.com slash dreamwishes. Again, I cannot thank you enough for your overwhelming generosity and the real positive difference you are going to make for those families and children that need that magic most. Again, www.radio.com slash dreamwishes. And although we can't do Meet of the Month currently, gosh, I can't wait till they come back. I still would love to connect with you on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. You can also be sure to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash WW Radio. If you have a question you want me to answer on the air, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com or call the voicemail we'll be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Just call with a question, a comment, anything about this week's show or past show or just saying hello from the parks. If there is some way that I can help you turn what you love into what you do with mentoring, coaching, one-on-one calls, you can visit loumangelo.com. Find out some of the different ways that I can try and help you. Thanks to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider. Whether you're planning your next trip to Walt Disney World or any destination, they can help you with the best possible prices, all available discounts, all with an incredible level of personal service that really is their hallmark. And again, it all comes at no cost to you. You can visit them for a free no-obligation quote over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend. I mean that every day, now more than ever. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word, let others know about it, tweet out that you're listening, share a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook, and if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over in Apple Podcasts. 
I'd like to thank some recent reviewers like Disney Missy, who says it's the original and the best. Lou taught the world what a well-made, kind, well-researched, enjoyable, positive Disney-focused podcast was, and he's been making them for years. Wow, thank you. I started listening to him when my daughter was an infant. She's in high school now. Yikes, I just felt old. If you listen to only one Disney podcast, listen to WW Radio. Lou puts out an awesome show and positivity to the universe at the same time. And Mick in Iowa says, thank you, Lou. I've enjoyed all 600-plus podcasts, learned so much about Walt Disney World, and especially the little Easter eggs and hidden references to Imagineers, your cast of regulars, and more. Your focus on the positive is a welcome oasis now more than ever. And Megan Amory says, my favorite podcast of all time. I wish I had like an echo effect of all time. This is my favorite podcast of all time. No joke. I've listened to podcasts for at least 10 years. And when I discovered Lou's show in 2016, back in episode 435, I started going through and listening to his entire back catalog. I already know Lou's going to say, wow, that's a lot of Lou. I am. Other podcasts have gone into my listening lineup and dropped off, but WWE Radio has remained in my number one spot and will stay there for good reason. Wow. Thank you. His content is always so interesting, whether it be diving deep into the history of an attraction, delicious restaurant reviews, or top-notch guests. Lou doesn't just, quote, do a podcast, close quote, but he's also gathered a wonderful community around those that love Disney World, and they all hang out in the best drama-free clubhouse over in a Facebook group. I've met so many awesome friends in this community because of what Lou started. Lou truly cares about his friends, not fans, and it shows that's one of the reasons I've stuck around, not even addition to his great content. Give the show a listen. You might find your favorite show as well. And oh yeah, Becky and Tim are cool too. Oh, Chris Shepard. Chris, thank you so much um, for your incredibly kind words. You, my friend, you and Mick and Disney Missy and everyone else, you, you are the ones who create and nurture and love on this community. I just build the clubhouse you are the one who populates it. So thank you again so very much, not just for the reviews, but for listening for all the good that you choose and the good that you are. Um, I say all the time how important it is to choose the good. You've done so much to not to go above and beyond that, um, to not just choose the good, but to be the good. And I'm telling you, it has an incredibly powerful, positive ripple Um towards people in ways that you might not realize so thank you for that thank you for continuing to choose the good i hope to see you on a live show this wednesday night i hope to see you again right here next week please choose the good spread the word and i hope that this is your best week ever i love you i appreciate you you are important see ya hi lou and wdw family it's elizabeth from massachusetts um, I just finished listening to episode 600, congrats again, and 601. So firstly, hi, Christina from New Hampshire. I thought that was so funny. Um, A, that people, I mean, I get that people listen all the way through, but that someone else from around this country shouted me out. So hi, this is awesome. And Lou, I think that now speaking about your 600th episode, that that's what this is all about, and you've really made it about us all too. And the fact that you even did your 600th episode and made it about, you know, everyone's favorite moments was, I think, a perfect way to celebrate it and commemorate it. So congratulations again. Um, I'm looking forward to 600 and even more episodes. 
Um, and thank you for everything you do. And also, thank you for keeping things positive all the time. I feel like right now on other accounts, too, that I kind of look at, especially on Instagram, it's kind of heartbreaking. And I think for a lot of us who can't get to the parks right now, it is, too, to kind of just see, you know, people getting to finally go there. And I know that moment will come again, but it is nice to also have a podcast right now to listen to that's not necessarily focused on what's currently going on minute by minute in the park. So I know that I appreciate that from being from up here in the Northeast. Um, speaking of that, your newest episode, 601, is awesome. Um, tons of fun. My favorite song will always be the Tiki Room in Adventureland in the Magic Kingdom. And I'm excited to listen to the next one. Um, have an awesome day, everybody. Stay positive. Do good things. And we'll see you real soon. Bye, guys. Hi, this is Nina in Norristown, Pennsylvania. I was just listening to your uh, two shows about the music of Disney World, and it just made me feel so nostalgic for when, about 10 years ago, when my daughter was a baby, and I would bring her down for breakfast every morning, and we would put on Mouse World Radio, if you remember that, and we would listen to, while she ate her breakfast, we would listen to the opening announcement for Disney World and the Main Street music, and it's just, I can't hear that music now without thinking of my little girl, um, who is now a tween and kind of sassy, but it was just a very special time, and the music's very special to me, and thank you so much for your show. Hi, this is Bob W. from West Bend, Wisconsin. I just finished listening to shows 603 and 604, and one of the things I thought about that wasn't mentioned were the Walt Disney World swan boats. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get down there when they were still being available going around the castle, but I think it would be an interesting thing to have been able to take part in. Thanks for the great shows, and keep up the good work. Twilight hours, green summer hills, and rainbows play a part. <laughs> a painter's brush, <laughs> a work of art. Mix red and gold from autumn flowers, purple and blue. From twilight hours, green summer hills, and rainbows play a part. A painter's brush, <laughs> a work of art.